Hey, look at us. Bar Down Breakdown. We're here with our buddy, Daniel, from the home team. He's a repeat what is up, guest. Friends? He's back with us. What's going on, man? Uh, they've uh, Daniel's part of the home team. They're a great band. Uh, they've nice. got a new record coming out uh, October 22nd. It's called uh, Slow Burn. It's a Casey Musgraves tribute record. <laughs> uh, it's going to be great. No, it's called Slow Bloom. Uh, it uh, comes out in a couple of weeks. Uh, I pre-ordered the record. Uh, apparently, the record is never, ever, ever going to get to me. That's fine. Apparently, never. no re- no records <laughs> are ever getting to anybody ever again. But, dude, Daniel, thank you so much for being back here with us, chilling with us. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, the new record coming up in a little bit and, of course, some crack and hockey. But uh, what's going on, man? What, what, what are you up to right now? Hell yeah. Uh, thank you guys for having me. Um, lots of getting ready for tour. Uh, the, we were, we finished the record, like, and we got the final mixes back in like March. Uh, but once the recording is done, that means all of the promotion and video shoots and everything starts. So we have been grinding nonstop for the last, like, fuck at this point, it feels like the last year. Um, just basically getting ready for like the album drop and tour yeah. coming up in a couple weeks. Sick. Now you, it, it's, you're talking about like videos and stuff. I think you guys have, uh, you've released four singles from the record so far. And I think every single has had a music video. Has it not? Yep. That is correct. That's uh, and wild, we have, man. We have a fifth video that's going to be coming out, uh, a couple days before the album drops. Um, so we're going to drop, uh, the last single, um, like three days before the album comes out. Cool. Now, um, if you can enlighten us, just, you know, the kind of behind the scenes stuff. Um, did you like have pretty much all of the music videos recorded like in succession or uh, did you actually do them like part and parcel, like, you know, one month here, one month there, were they all just like a blast kind of. Um, so we started by dry- taking a trip down to LA to shoot like the first two videos that we did. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first singles that came out were right through me and move it or lose it. Um, we were looking for spots to shoot those videos and we decided to drive down from Seattle to LA, take like a little week trip, uh, rent out some studios down there and film most of the stuff for those two videos. Uh, so we kind of, we did those two in one trip. Yeah, I think entirely. Um, and then Brian, our singer actually edits and like directs all of our videos. Um, obviously he hires someone, you know, like to come and shoot the, the stuff that he's in. But aside from that, like it's mostly his like his brainchild. He and John, our guitarist, like come up with the the concept for the video. But then it's like Brian takes it and kind of runs with it. Um, I am purely when it comes to that, I show up and I play and I help with logistics. Uh, It's mostly his work. And then afterwards, he edits everything. Uh, So literally like right behind me is where all the, the music video editing takes place. Um, and I think we, we pretty much did everything like we'd finish the video and then we'd just get started on the next one. So like the first two videos were shot at the same time and everything was edited. And it's just like, once that single comes out and all the ads and everything for it are done, then we get started on the next one. And it was just like that process. Actually, we literally got the most recent video back yesterday. So it's, uh, that's basically how it goes. <laughs> damn well i'm sure 
uh, Revival loves that Brian does a lot of this stuff himself. I'm sure it's a little bit cheaper than if they had to hire, you know, their own videographer or whatever title that would be. Uh, yeah, we actually um, we have like we pay Brian for it. So like we oh, we like incur an guys. expense against like the band account through the label to okay. pay Brian out because that's like the main thing that he's doing. And so he's spending, you know, like 40 hours a week working on our content. So sure. it's like the man should get paid. No, absolutely, yeah. man. I, I, I think that's, that's a great thing. I think, um, you know, that like the band mentality uh, of old was like, you know, you put every ounce of your blood, sweat and tears, including like all of your life savings into, like your band to try to make it big. So it's, it's cool to, to know that, you know, that while it's not like a bad thing necessarily to put up, you know, all you have into your, your music, it's nice to know that, you know, you guys are like, Hey, listen, I mean, you know, this is what the, what the man does is for his nine to five. We got to make sure that, you know, he can put food on the table and do what he's got to do. But uh, I mean, all of the, the videos that you guys have put out thus far, you know, not to sit here and blow smoke up your ass, but I mean, they've all been a- excellent. Keep it- keep yeah. it coming <laughs> listen man i you know i it's it's um it's it's kind of interesting i i'll i i, I should probably share this with you just because um <clears throat> so when we first had got you guys on the on the show um it was really like a mikey discovery and you know he had come across um you know some tracks from the from the record prior and he was like oh you know you guys you got to check these guys out like you know so um and you'll have to forgive me just because I, I, I forget the name of it, but he showed me the, uh, the song that you guys had, which is essentially just cats and fashion uh, forward, fashion yep. forward. Right. So fashion forward, great, great tune. But I remember hearing it and I remember being like, Oh yeah, these guys sound like panic at the disco. That's pretty cool. You know? Yep. Um, now fast forward to like this new record that like has like completely blown me out of the water because it's like, it's really nothing like that. It's so diverse. It's so interesting. Um, and I mean, like you can really see like musicianship, you guys have upped the ante production, you've upped the ante and, uh, you know, this record is really kind of the magnum opus it seems, but, um, you know, it, it kind of is interesting how you get sold on a band. Right. And like, you know, as soon as right through me came out, like, I was like, Oh my God, like, this is, this is the real deal. And then all the other singles that you guys have put out since then have also been awesome. So I got to give kudos to Mikey because you wouldn't have ever been on my radar. And, um, and now you guys are, and I couldn't be anticipating like a record anymore. So like F yeah, let's go. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) You're very welcome, man. So uh, on that note, um just kind of like maybe talk a little bit about what went into the creation of this record um and how you wanted to be a little bit different from the record prior um did you guys go in with like kind of a blueprint of okay this is what we want to sound like this is how we want the songs to come together or get structured or was it like you know you had uh some music fleshed out once you got in the studio and you realized like oh wow we can like you know, kind of pull and tug this and sort of like do the silly putty thing where you just kind of stretch it to, to be a little bit different. Is that kind of how it ended up for you guys or was everything fleshed out beforehand? So, so I feel like with our first record um, and the material before that, we kind of, we, so we all come from metal and hardcore. Like that's Mm -hmm. all of our backgrounds. We all met playing in different metal bands. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's where we've done most of our touring before the home team. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I feel like when we started the home team, we had this like we, we wanted to stay away from metal and 
focus on like something more accessible. And so mm -hmm. I feel like we were always trying to fit ourselves into this mold of like what a modern pop punk band should sound like. Mm -hmm. uh, and to be totally honest, like that's just not really what any of us listen to. Um, you know, we like, we're just, we don't, we listen to more heavy music than pop punk. So mm -hmm. we don't really, we, you know, we're not in our personal lives. We don't listen to a ton of like the active pop punk bands. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I feel like we were always trying to fit that mold. And I think the big, one of the big <laughs> moments for me was when I discovered the band Don Broco, mm. um, not necessarily like sound wise, but just kind of like attitude and approach to music wise, mm -hmm. uh, because those guys do whatever the hell they want. They are ahead of the deck. Like, they set the trend and it really like opened my eyes to like, dude, we can do like, we can incorporate the shit that we like. like mm -hmm. It doesn't, we don't have to do this like cookie cutter pop punk and like fit into uh, what other bands are doing. We should just do what we want to do. Yeah. Um, so when we started writing for this record, we had in the back of our minds, like, okay, this one needs to be different. We can't just do the same thing. We want to do something that sounds more like mm -hmm. that, that represents us as like musicians and as like music listeners better. Um, but we also had like this idea of, okay, what, what can we do to be weird? Like what, what are other bands not doing? Mm -hmm. So John had this idea of, all right, I'm going to incorporate eight string guitar on almost every song mm -hmm. and like not in a, you know, down tune breakdown kind of way mm -hmm. um but in more of like getting that really low frequency like kind of like sub bass feel to everything yeah uh, just just the just the real real quick uh like one of the first things i noticed when i heard the the chorus and, and right through me was that i was mm -hmm. just like oh my god there's so much like depth in this in, in this chorus and like and the and the interesting thing is like like I you know I like I, I pick apart things because I'm kind of a music nerd right so like you hear the chorus the first time and it's just like straight chords with that like like that eight string underlying and then like you hit the chorus again and you get him like riffing on the chords and he's got a, he's got those oh man it's just like it's like I wish there was more like out there that like would do stuff like this so you can continue but I just had to like in interject <laughs> with that that point because it's just like that was one of the first things I noticed as I was like, Oh, this chorus is so heavy. And then the chorus comes back and I'm like, Oh shit. That's like the same chords, but he's like, you know, riffing on it. And on these 16th and it's just so cool, man. And that's one of the things like we get asked a lot, like how would you describe your new sound? Mm -hmm. Like who would you compare it to? And I feel like we always struggle with finding like an app, like a really good comparison. Cause we're like, Oh, it kind of sounds like this, but like, Mm -hmm. not really it kind of, but it kind of sounds like this but not really mm -hmm. and i feel like we've done some like we have something that's pretty unique yeah. and not a lot of bands sound like that mm -hmm. um we were a little nervous when we finished like we've all you know i always say every musician is delusional we all think that our next shit's going to be the stuff to pop off yeah um, yep. i've been saying that since i was 15 <laughs> that like oh this ep this is the one i'm blowing up um, but I, this is like, this is the first time I really feel like we did something that is people are going to hear and be like, I've never heard anything like this. Mm -hmm. Like with our, with our last record, we get kind of the same, like five or six, like, Oh, it kind of sounds like panic at the disco kind of sounds like, you know, some fallout boy reference, like 
it's the same couple comparisons. But with this, so far with the singles we put out, it's been all over the place. Like <laughs> people don't know what the hell they're listening to. And we get we get comparisons to like people are hitting us up saying like, oh, this reminds me of like, you know, breaking Benjamin, but with a little bit more like <laughs> a little bit like softer. And then we're getting other stuff for like, oh, it's uh, you know, it, it's it's more like issues sounding. Um so sure. but but overall in like the songwriting process, uh, we kind of really found our stride like three or four songs in. Um, I remember it specifically, it was the song Move It or Lose It. That was the second single we put out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember we, we've always had, like we all have our own different writing styles. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian comes from like a more technical, like progressive metalcore background. Like that's okay. what he's really into. Mm-hmm. Um, so when he would write stuff, it oftentimes he leans a little bit more towards like the complicated side of things. Sure. Um, John, our guitarist, has uh, is much more interested in like the old school pop punk fallout boy jimmy world style and so he would write stuff that was like kind of overly simple mm-hmm. uh but move it or lose it is the first time where the i remember like being in the room when they combined forces basically and like john wrote something that was a little bit too simple and then brian like added to it and then they like met in the middle and like it felt like they found the perfect balance and when we finished that song, that was the one where we're like, yo, that is what we need to do. Let's do more of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like really what kickstarted the whole album writing process. Cause that was like the third or fourth song we wrote. And then after that, we pumped out like the rest of the album in a couple months. So um, I, I got one more question and then I know Mikey's he keeps, keeps breathing in to ask a question, but like, I'm just <laughs> going for it. So um, um Looking through, so I, I want to talk about the the veil of Maya, um, uh, like a signature that's that's on the last track of the record. But another night alone with you, um, that's got Yvette from Covet, right? Yep. So uh, I love Covet, um, and and that's such a, a super cool thing. Um, who was like, who in the band was like, was like Covet was on their radar to to get that? Uh, I keep calling it a signature, but what is it really called? A feature. Um, a feature. That's what they call yeah, it. Yeah. Excellent. Num- <laughs> number one podcaster. Um, but yeah, so so like who who was on like who had like covet on their radar? Cause like they're just like they rip, man. I love them. Yeah. So that was uh that was John's doing. Um, okay. so John hit up Yvette for uh I think I'm not sure how they first met, but he hit her up to buy some art from her because she's like she's just super talented artist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, guitar player, obviously, but like multi-instrumentalist and also an artist. Yep. Um, and he hit her up to buy some art. Uh, and so he bought some art from her and they just, you know, kind of became friends over the internet, just chatting mm-hmm. for a while. Um, and then I think they, he went down to the <coughs> Bay area, um, on like a little trip and mm-hmm. just met up, met up with her and kind of pitched the idea like, Hey, we've got a song. We think you would be, you know, you like, you'd be a great fit as a feature, uh, and from what he told me, she was really excited about like kind of branching out of the shreddy prog world. Yeah. Because once you get into that, like that's what, that's what she's known for mm-hmm. is being you know, the crazy shred guitar player. Yeah. Uh, which that's what Covet is, but like, they're also so, you know, so melodic, like there's, they could, they could be placed anywhere. Oh yeah. Um, for sure. I first saw them when they were opening for dance, Gavin dance, which, you know, that 
like they have mainstream appeal now. Yeah. Uh, but we actually don't, uh, Yvette is purely a vocal um, feature on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we wanted to have her do something that is like different and let her showcase like her singing too. Um, yeah. So she's, she sings on it and it sounds fucking killer. Yeah, no, it, it really does. And, and you know, the, the funny thing is like when I, when I think of Covet, um, I kind of like think of like that sort of math Rocky, like maps and atlases, um, you know, like some of that other like kind of Sergeant house top shelf stuff. Like that's where like it gets me. But mm-hmm. and that's the thing about Covet is that, you know, their music is really so like, you know, you could put them, you know, on, on the same path as like animals as leaders, or you could put them in the same path as like a band, like a great big pile of leaves or something like that, where like they have that versatility. And I think that's kind of the cool thing about, about the home team is like, you guys have this versatility in you where like you could fit onto a pop punk show. You could probably fit onto like an R and B or like a soul show, or you could even, I don't know if you could like, you could play like a metal show. Like, I don't, I don't know like how that would really go, but like you definitely could kind of like explore any of the, those different options. And I think having that versatility in music today um, is excellent because like, that means that like any tour that comes a knocking, you could just be like, yeah, we, you know, we can fit on that for sure. And then you now open yourself up to being able to do all of this other stuff where, you know, back 15 years ago, it was like, you know, unheard of that, like a pop punk band and like, you know, a hardcore band would like tour together with the exception of like a, you know, a small few with like, you know, Shy Halud and splintering off into newfound glory or then yep. a little bit later where, you know, stick to your guns and the story so far have their relationship. But like everything was always like, Oh, it's got to fit into this mold. Like you got to have like punchline and spittlefield and like, you got to all be together, but now you can, you know, be out there and kind of use your versatility in a way that can get you, get you more gigs get you paid so i think that's awesome and the the feature is is super cool um i I think it's a it's a it's a great track like all together but i really kind of uh, have a lot of interest on uh that last track that you guys have which i'm i'm dying to listen to um i know it's uh it's veil amaya and then i think it's um jeff who is in what is it arch enemy right like so so it's like all of this like death metal stuff so how does that fit in? So we met, so the veil of Maya feature is uh, Lucas, the vocalist. Okay. Um, the, it just worked out that he doesn't have like his own Spotify page. So mm-hmm. it pulls up the veil of Maya thing. Sure. Uh, it's also a little bit marketing because then we end up on veil of Maya's page. So exactly. there's, there's that sure. too. Of course. Um, but event and Jeff have their own Spotify pages. So that's why we linked them. Uh, Mm -hmm. So we met Lucas in Minneapolis in 2019. We were on uh, just a full U.S. headliner and we played a show with his band, with his other band. Um, I think they're the Airway is what they're called. Um, And so like they opened for us. And so we were at the venue and we had a couple of friends there and we're looking. We're like, I think Brian was like, dude, I'm pretty sure that guy's the singer of Vale of Maya. And I was like, what the fuck is he doing here? And it turned out we were, we were playing with like his pop rock band. Um, so after the show, uh, you know, we just met and chatted for a little bit. And I think we uh, ended up getting food after the show uh, and just kind of hit it off and stayed in touch. Uh, and when the song came out, we, or when like we were recording the song, we hit him up and we're like, dude, we'd love to get a feature on, you know, one of these songs. So we sent him a couple options and we ended up deciding 
on this this track danger uh the craziest part is the jeff loomis solo uh i'm i'm not gonna spend time talking about how sick it is you're just gonna have to hear it when it comes out um that song has without a doubt like the heaviest section we've ever written and it's not like not, not like a breakdown like a you know palm mm-hmm. muted chugga chugga breakdown yeah, yeah, yeah. um <laughs> but kind of similar to the way that like the right through me chorus is really, mm-hmm. is like really big. Yeah. Um, that the end of that song definitely has like the heaviest thing we've ever written. And there is a fucking bonkers Jeff Loomis solo at the end of it. We didn't like, we had nothing to do with that. We just, the guy that we, uh, that is our engineer um, works with Jeff a lot. And so we were just in the studio talking like, dude, it'd be so sick if we had a solo here and he just pitched. He's like, I bet I could get Jeff to do one. And we're like, no fucking way. No, you can't. That's so wild. Uh, so we just texted him and he, we sent him the track and he's like, oh, this is sick. Yeah, I'll write something. And honestly, we kind of thought he was going to phone it in a little bit because we're like, mm-hmm. you know, he's a class. He's like a you know virtuoso guitar player. Yeah, like yeah. A, you know, he's like a generational talent shredder. Mm-hmm. And we're like a, a pop rock band with some, you know, with a kind of a heavy part in one song. <laughs> he was like i love this and he fucking went all in uh so that's actually the only song that we haven't shown even our patreon um, oh wow we've we've leaked every other song on the record so the, the people in our patreon have heard the entire record already mm-hmm. um it's like one by one that's the one we're like you are going to experience this for the first time like at high def you know yeah. streaming on spotify when mm-hmm. you know when you listen to the whole thing yeah it's awesome. I love it. <laughs> now, you, you mentioned your audio engineer. Um, I know on your first record, you guys worked with Casey Bates. Who did you guys work with on this one? So the last, yeah, so the last record was like produced, mixed, and engineered and mastered by Casey. Um, so we just went to him. He did everything. He was involved in the pre-production, the whole thing. Um, with this one, we went a basically the exact opposite route. Uh, we had our buddy Sky from Issues, or I guess now at this point, 21 Pilots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he flew out and produced the record for us. Um, so he helped, he came in and helped with the pre production and like a little bit of songwriting um, and played bass on the whole thing. Uh, we had our buddy Aaron Smith. He is the, the guy who worked with uh, Jeff Loomis, his old band, Seven Horns, Seven Eyes was a big like a prog band on uh, century media back in like the 2010s um so we we actually recorded our first couple eps with him too uh so he engineered it and then we had seb barlow from neck deep mix the whole thing oh, sweet. uh and then chris crummett mastered the whole thing afterwards so we kind of we went like to this guy and then to this guy and then to this guy uh but at the end of the day, um, I don't think we could have picked anyone better to like, it sounds exactly how we wanted it to sound. I think we got the perfect group of people in to like bring our vision to life and be able to like blend the heavy aspects of like the eight string and all the super low tunings that we use um, with the fact that vocals need to be super present and have kind of like that pop feel where mm-hmm. it's like, mostly you know it's like heavily about the singer 
So speaking of which, you, you got you got Brian hiding back there, yeah. <laughs> so um, I, I got a, just a quick question, just about um, like Brian and that kind of like how a lot of this record is kind of built around you know some pop centricities and stuff. So like with the kind of talent level that he has vocally, like when, when you hear how he's like vocalizing on this record, like it, it, it almost seems to me like, like you went, you go in with a vocal melody and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, but could you try this? Okay. But could you try that? And could you try this? And all of a sudden, like you've got this like complete space of like things that like, you don't really hear vocally in pop punk and you really only hear that the kind of stuff that he's doing in like pop music. So I, I think that's super cool. So like when he was going into like the booth, was he getting a lot of that? Like, was it like the producers and engineers just like, Hey man, try it like this. Hey man, try it like that. You know, Hey man, like do this, do that. Like, were you getting a lot of that? Uh, since he can hear me, I don't want to gas him up too much. I, <laughs> I, I got to make sure to keep, keep the ego down here. <laughs> um, but actually most of that is just his doing. Oh, wow. okay. uh, he goes all in on the pre-production. Mm-hmm. So, when you listen to like the the pre-production demos of everything, mm-hmm. um, say probably 90% of what was on the pre-production makes it into the final version. Wow. Uh, where Sky really helped. Uh, I, I don't think Sky had to do much to the vocal. It's not like he wasn't capable. It was mm-hmm. more like we got, like he got to it and he was like, yeah, dude, this is sick. I don't know what you want me to do. <laughs> like, yeah. this is great. Mm-hmm. Um, where sky really helped was on the like bringing that extra 10 percent to the songwriting Mm -hmm. so taking our like verse chorus structure Mm -hmm. and doing little little things to you know the second time we do the chorus make the this change on the second half to like bring it to the next level Mm -hmm. or little things to like transition from one part to the next um vocally our producer or our engineer. That's one of the things that we really liked about him is mm-hmm. like, he, he just hears music in a nut, like a complicated way that our brains just don't think that way. Um, there's pros and cons. Mm-hmm. Uh, the big con, I, I will tell this story till the day I die. Uh, before we, before we got sky in to produce everything, he was just going to play bass mm-hmm. and we had sent uh, the demo of move it or lose it to the guy who ended up engineering the record. Mm-hmm. And we're like, Hey, can you produce this? We want to, you know, give us some ideas. Let us know how you think we can improve it. And he sent us back uh, a butchered version of that song with the most complicated drums I've ever heard in my life. And I was like, Dude, I think I got it back at like one in the morning. I didn't fall asleep to like four that morning mm-hmm. because I was just like laying awake being like, this is fucking trash. I like it's ruined. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't if everyone likes this. Like, I don't know. I don't know how I can finish this record. Yeah. Um, I actually went down at like two in the morning that day and listened to like the Spotify top 50 like hits songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I listened to every single song to make sure that my idea of like, four on the floor really groovy drums was mm-hmm. like the direction yeah uh, and literally every song on that playlist had four on the floor on it yeah so i sure. was like i validated myself i told the band i'm like this is what we got sent i like i hate it yeah uh, everyone agreed uh 
and we ended up going with a different with sky to produce that's how like what kind of motivated us to get with sky yeah um, in the end we ended up working with the engineer anyway uh mm-hmm. just strictly as an engineer and we paid him we he ended up making more money than any of us on the record anyway <laughs> so like you can't be too bummed yeah uh but one of the things that he really brings to the table is that like his brain just works in a different way than any of ours which is that like outside opinion that we need in order to like try new things so even though i didn't use most of what he sent drum wise mm-hmm. uh, i actually did take a couple things because there were a couple things that like i just never would have thought to go that direction and so i took i like simplified some of the ideas he had mm-hmm. and incorporated them into the final version um to go to tie all this back around to the initial question yeah vocally what he really brings is like while brian's in the booth he's just like constantly spitting out ideas like okay well what if we try this little tweak Mm -hmm. and um one of the things that really changed from the last record to this record is we got a lot better at like sticking to our guns and saying you know even though i hear what you're saying and i know you want to do it this way like this is what I wrote and this is the direction I want to go. Yeah. Of um, course. So Brian got really good at trying out everything, but when he felt like he already had the thing he wanted and mm-hmm. his, he, he liked his idea better. Um, he got a lot better at saying no and being like, no, we're I'm going to do it this way. Yeah. That's, I mean, that, that's, that's awesome. And, and it, like I said, you can, you can hear just like the, you can just hear like some of the the sweetness in it that just makes it so much different than than a lot of other stuff out there, which I think is a cool thing. Now, one one last question I have, and then I'll, I'll let Mikey field a couple. Um, and it's a question that like I, I, maybe like a lot of times fans and listeners of, of music don't think about. But so you guys go into the studio right with like these these you know fully fleshed out songs, right? So you go, you start working with a producer, and all of a sudden like you know, your producer goes and starts tweaking things and doing this and doing that. And then, you know, by the time the record's done, you've got these songs that like you mostly had skeletons of, but now that the producers flesh them out, they have some different parts and some different, that kind of thing. But now because this is on the record, everyone hears it. And that's what everyone is, wants to hear when they go to see you. So it's almost like as a band, like you've got to relearn like some of the music that like you already wrote, but because it got tweaked so much, you're like, you know, you go to sit down and run through your set and you're like, oh yeah, we elongated the chorus. Uh, fuck, I forgot about that. Or, oh yeah, we like completely changed like, you know, the rhythm of this bridge. Like, oh shit. So like, did you guys kind of experience that where like now all of a sudden like to get tour ready, you're like, shit, we've got to like relearn songs that we already like conceived. Uh, yeah, for multiple reasons. Uh, one of which is when we're writing, like we wrote thir- we wrote and recorded... 13 songs for this record we wrote mm-hmm. like 18 but 13 like five of them vocals never brian didn't get to the vocals so mm-hmm. those are just sitting in the in the google drive for for the next record okay um we recorded 13 uh 11 are making it onto the final cut uh there's so much work that goes into the album process and the release process that honestly we like we i we don't get together to play every week like we're mm-hmm. not going to band practice and jamming once a week to write stuff like yeah there, there, i mean there's multiple reasons for that one this was in the middle of quarantine like pre-vaccine when we wrote and recorded everything mm-hmm. so like 
we weren't my our practice spaces at my parents house so like we weren't going to my parents house because they're older and sure, know, weren't vaccinated and Absolutely. a couple of us were were working and had to go out in public regularly uh so we weren't trying Absolutely. to expose you know potentially expose yeah, them of course um but also like there's the playing aspect of being in a band is like such a small percentage of the time and energy that goes into things that after recording the record, like we don't play the songs again. Um, mm-hmm. Brian has the, you know, the lucky part of being able to like just sing in his car. He can just, he can just <laughs> sing things. Yeah. Um, I can like tap them out you know, like I, like I listen to the songs to make sure I'm familiar with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but before a tour, that's like, that's when we cram basically. Yeah. Like, and most, I think most bands that, you know, are bigger bands do the same thing. People don't always live in the same cities. You fly, yeah. like everyone practices on their own. Then mm-hmm. you fly in and you rehearse for a week or two, and then you go out and you do your shows. Yeah. Uh, so there's, there, I think one of our songs, I still, I couldn't sit down and play it perfectly uh, because we wrote some shit, like we demoed it out. And so like we did a really thorough pre-production process mm-hmm. for this. So like we went, we spent a week at uh, at our guitarist John's house with Sky. I had like an electric kit there. We we literally recorded each song like mm-hmm. from scratch. Uh, I think except for vocals, we might not have redone those. Um, but we like re-recorded everything, programmed the whole thing out. I was like playing playing everything. Um, but then sometimes when you get into the like into the actual studio people come up with ideas. Uh, I'd say I had probably 95% of everything drum wise mm-hmm. like planned out. And I was literally like playing to tabs. Like I just tabbed it all out as I was going. Yeah. Um, there's a couple songs I definitely couldn't play just from memory because I haven't practiced them and we're not playing them live. So I yeah. haven't had a reason to, I've just been like grinding the set. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we a hundred percent have to relearn how to play our own material and then there's also the added aspect of we have one guitarist and often there's three guitar parts. So live, we have a reamped guitar that goes from our computer to a, uh, a reamp box out through another, like a Kemper and through another amp. Okay. So then John has to pick which of the guitar parts he's playing and send the other ones like yep. through the computer. Uh, so there's mm-hmm. a lot of intricacies in turning this record into an actual live performance that made my brain hurt trying to think of how (laughs) one person can do that i am man it's it's crazy but you know you do mention tour and you guys are hitting the road in like 13 days so have you started to cram yet oh yeah we're uh we've been playing for the last no three weeks at this point um ryan our bassist lives about an hour or so away hour and a half uh and so he can't come up all the time so we're like we started our practice early and make sure we wanted to like run through the tracks get everything you know get the set all planned out we went way more in depth with like between song transitions a lot of like you know we built a lot of like intros to songs so that it's not just me going one two three four Mm -hmm. starting a song um so there's a lot of like tracks that you know flow from one song to the next, um, and I also I um, we're incorporating uh, like a sample pad for the first time, 
so like a fair amount of the electronic elements, I'm actually playing, like I'm leaning over and playing them on a sample pad. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's like a whole new instrument for me to play and to remember how everything flows together and like, oh, this song, I play it. Yeah. Like, the next time this sample comes in, I'm playing mm -hmm. drums, so I don't play it. Uh, there's a lot. Now, you guys are hitting the road with Glacier Veins, who's like from the Pacific Northwest as well, right? They're like the Oregon area. Yeah, they're from Portland. Okay. So I, I saw that you have a Seattle date, but you're not playing El Corazon. Is that place still around? Uh, it is. Uh, Elko is still around. Um, we wanted to play something a little bit smaller uh, and like sell it out. That's that's the goal. Mm -hmm. um, fingers crossed we get there. We're, we're on our way, but it's not sold out yet. Uh, Elko's cap is like 650, I think. And so we definitely couldn't sell that out. Um, but it, no, it's still it's still around. I'm sure we'll be playing there again soon. Okay. And then I guess follow-up question is why didn't you get Nick and Bobby from Gatsby's American Dream to play as Money Pit as your openers? <laughs> we play I think we played a show with Money Pit uh, a couple of years back. Um dude, this one of the tough things about coming back to like the touring and like show scene post-COVID is that a lot of bands like didn't survive. Um, it's the yeah. same, it's not only in the music scene, but like in, you know, a lot of companies, like same thing. Um, a lot of bands, you know, whether it was a cancellation for someone being a piece of shit or, you know, people just saying, you know, fuck this. I only, I want to play shows and I can't play shows. So I'm just going to go back and get a job. Uh, when we actually had a hard time finding, locals for our we we just announced uh or actually i think tomorrow we're announcing a, a tacoma show um we had a hard time finding locals for it because no bands are around like all the bands that we that we knew uh were like broke up yeah damn well you know we we got plenty of homies on the east coast so when are you guys making your way over here uh next year we will do a full us for sure um we were kind of with this tour, we wanted to like kind of dip our toes into the into like the touring landscape again. Um, I mean, be like, if, as much as we want to, you know, be like past COVID, the reality is we're not, and we're still like COVID still exists. Mm -hmm. um, get, get your fucking vaccines, uh, fucking like vax up, mask yeah. up when you go to shows. Seriously, uh, if I can play drums on stage wearing a mask you can wear a mask while you're sit while you're standing there watching this play. Absolutely. Uh, yep. We are, uh, John and I are going to be wearing masks while we play in at every show. Ryan and Brian, uh, Ryan and Brian obviously can't, they're singing. Uh, so it, we didn't want to, I mean, we didn't want to go do a full us. We didn't feel ready. We want to see what the West, what this West coast situation is like, see how we can make through, get through it. Um, Hopefully everything goes goes well. Um, all our all our shows, uh, yeah. Actually, every show is uh, proof of vax or like you know forty eight hour COVID test. Yeah, um, we'll see how tightly those are enforced at the venues. I don't know. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's the right thing to do. Um, you know, it's just like you 
you know, if live music ever ever wants to come back in a in a in a capacity in, in which the way it it was before COVID, like this is just what we have to do. We've got to make sure that if you're attending shows, you're either vaccinated or have you know negative PCR, and you're not sitting there trying to expose people. So you know, um, it's it's kind of you know it's kind of crazy to think about. But uh, so let's um, let's real quick before we start talking a little bit about the Seattle Kraken. Uh, we'll do a little quick message from our sponsor, the Draft Kings, the Kings of the Draft. Hockey is back, and DraftKings Sportsbook has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any hockey game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. Doesn't matter if it's a one-time clapper or a deft deflection, However they light the lamp, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Throw down $1 on any hockey game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. One-time clapper. Just gotta, <laughs> just gotta love that, that hockey speak, you know? That's the best. I yeah. love it. Yeah. DraftKings, man. Um... They're pretty cool. Um, I did a, a like a, a fantasy football like DraftKings sort of deal, um, like a couple of times uh, last year, and I was going to do one this year, but uh, my fantasy team right now is just doing so good, and uh, not going to try to jinx it. So, even though uh, Tyler, Higby, no one wants to hear about your fantasy team, Tom. Tyler Higby is being a dick right now. He's not. He doesn't even have a catch. This is unbelievable. But so hey, let's talk hockey and let's talk a little bit about the seattle kraken so um did you get an opportunity to watch that uh uh expansion draft expansion draft uh i watched not the actual like live stream of it but uh constantly refreshing uh on my phone to see like which players we picked yeah it was uh it was rough it was a little bit of a rough um presentation uh ESPN, I think, got off on the wrong foot. Um, I, I know what they tried to do. You know, they tried to, like, kind of get as much Seattle as they could into this draft, and they ended up, like, showing up to the fish market and, like, essentially, like, gave a bunch of people, like, they, like, pulled draft picks out of, like, Starbucks cups and stuff. It was, like, <laughs> it was... Uh, yeah, that's it was, all Seattle is. It's Starbucks and fish. It was it was something, man. But, um, you know... I. I as far as the, the team is concerned, um, you know, I, I guess it's kind of, you know, Knights vibes where it's like you don't really know how they're going to come together as a team. 
you know, they seem to just be like a hodgepodge of players, but that's what everyone thought with the Golden Knights. And here they were getting to the cup finals their first year in existence. So uh, as far as the Kraken is concerned, you know, don't have to go too crazy, but uh, who are you excited to see uh, put on that sweater and, uh, and play a little bit? Uh, I'm excited for Brandon Tanev and <laughs> uh, Jordan Eberly. Yeah. Uh, and then what's my fucking guy? Uh, Mark Giord- Giordano. Oh, yeah, uh, for sure. Just long time, you know, long time NHLer. I'm psyched that there, there's someone with a little bit of uh, experience on the team. Yeah. Mikey, do you want to do your best Tanev face real quick? There it is. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, uh, I, so I like, like I said, that the draft was a little silly, but, um, you know, they, they've got a, a, a pretty good team. Uh, you know, they made a couple of, uh, of moves in the off season, um, you know, to kind of bolster their roster a little bit. And of course, I'm sure as the season progresses, they'll do a little bit more of the same when, uh, you know, uh, you know, some players open up, you know, the team driving fire sales or whatever they might have, but, uh, really super awesome that, uh, we're getting more hockey in the Pacific Northwest because, you know, as of right now, it's really just Vancouver, you know? So um, so now that, that there's some hockey up there, I, th- I think it's going to be great for the city and everything. Now, uh, um, you know, as far as, like, kind of getting into being a fan of a, of a, of a newer team, um, you know, I know you guys have a lot of plans for touring and all that kind of stuff, but, like, have you um, – like, have you gotten tickets yet? Have you tried to get tickets yet? Like, what's the kind of landscape around um, the buzz in Seattle? Like, as far as, like, getting the games? Is it, like, crazy reselling? Or what What are we at right now? I have a couple guys on my men's league team that went in on season tickets. Oh, cool. um, so I have, like, access to occasional games just through, you know, you know, no one can make it who wants, you know, who wants to uh, take my nice. tickets. Yeah. Um, so as far as I know, I think the season the season ticket like thing is sold out. I'm pretty sure that's sold out like right away. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I haven't seen I mean, obviously I haven't seen anything about resale yet. Mm-hmm. Uh but I'm it's also weird because I'm sure there's lots of people that would intend on being, you know, going to games regularly who are choosing not to go into any crowded room yet. Uh mm-hmm. so I have no idea what it's going to look like. Um for actual home games. Yeah. We had our couple of preseason games. We had like one in Spokane at wherever the, the chiefs, the WHL team plays. And then one in up in Everett, which is where the Everett silver tips, the other WHL team play. Look, I mean, there were a lot of people in the crowd for those games. Awesome. I'm pretty sure it's like the highest selling Jersey right now, or, or maybe even like, you know, first year sales, like it's breaking records for how many people are buying that Jersey. Awesome. Oh yeah, dude. Seattle has been waiting for an NHL team for like 20 years. Seriously. Now, the last time we had you on, I'm pretty sure they still did. We still didn't know that they were the Kraken. We didn't obviously know their Jersey. And <laughs> like, I, I'm pretty sure the, like the arena wasn't even done at mm-hmm. that point when we had you on. So a lot has changed in a short amount of time. You know, you have a roster, you're about to be playing in, you know, less than a week. So, you know, we, we also on the last episode talked about how you grew up a Philadelphia Flyers fan. So, like, how does that work? Are, have you, like, stopped following them completely and are just, like, all in on the Kraken? Or you're like, you know what? 
Kraken didn't do such a great job year one at the expansion draft. I'm going to keep following the Flyers for a little bit longer. Nah, I'm going to be a two-team fan. Uh, I will be repping Flyer Orange for every game, except for when they play the Kraken. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to feel. I think I'm just going to have to watch the game and see like, see how my heart reacts. Uh, I can't, I mean, like, obviously I'm psyched for, you know, for the Kraken and like to become a fan, but I can't imagine that I'm going to watch that game and be like psyched every time the Kraken score on my flyers. <laughs> I mean, I've lived my entire life watching the flyers goalies give up trash. goals. <laughs> Ronnie Hextall. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like, that's a tough thing. Uh, I've never been put in that position um, as, like, a sports fan. Like, uh, you know, growing up in, in New York, every New York team by the time I was born uh, was already established. I mean, I guess with the exception of, like, you know, the Brooklyn Nets or whatever. But, I mean, I've never had the distinction of being like, oh, wow, my city has a, has a franchise now. Like, <clears throat> so that is a tough thing. Like, you know, you spend your whole life repping a team – and and I mean, there's nothing wrong with with having having two favorite teams. There there are some people that get so like crazy angry about that. Like, oh, how can you like two teams? It's like, bro, like the Flyers and the Kraken might play each other like once a season, or like in the playoffs if they both you know have deep runs and end up going to to the Cup. But I mean, like they don't bother one another. Now, if you were gonna like sit here and be like, oh yeah, like I'm a Islanders and a Flyers fan, it's like what? Like that doesn't make sense to me. Like you can't like teams that are going to play each other eight times a year and develop like a, a like a rivalry. But um so, yeah, I, I can see how that'll be tough. I mean, the, you know, that that one crack in Flyers game, you can just like Harvey Dent it up and just like <laughs> kind of just like have two different colors on your face. Um The, o- the only time I have an issue with, you know, like the double, you know, like a multi fandom mm-hmm. thing is when it's two teams that historically win. Like I yeah. get people, you know, people like it's easier to root for a team that wins, but like, mm-hmm. Yo, if you're if you're just like a you know like a Red Wings and a Blackhawks fan, okay, Blackhawks ten years ago, but like yeah, that's true. You, know, yeah. if you picked you know two teams that historically win. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of fucking lame. Like you got, uh, yeah. I want to be a fan of a team that uh that hurts my that breaks me a little bit, so that once in my <laughs> lifetime we can get a cup win and I can actually feel good about myself. And like, and I'm I'm even like cool like to the point where like if you say like oh you know I'm a I'm a Flyers fan, but like, I really love like Nate McKinnon, you know, over on, over on the abs or like, or like, you know, I'm a, I'm a big, like, you know, Islanders fan, but like, man, do I love watching, um, you know, Victor Hedman, you know, or like something like that. I don't know who says they love watching Victor Hedman. That guy's just so (laughs) old, but like, that's the only guy that could come to my brain. But like, I mean, I like, you see that happen a lot more in like football and basketball and stuff, right? Like, Oh, you know, I grew up in New York. I'm a Knicks fan, but like, you know, every time Harden touches the ball or every time LeBron touches the ball, you know, I just, I just love watching him. And you get that, you know, with, you know, I, I, we've got a buddy from long Island who's like, has been a diehard Patriots fan, like all his life. And uh, Brady moved over to like Tampa Bay. And all of a sudden he's just like, you know, Tampa Bay and new England played each other uh, like last Sunday. And, and mm-hmm. like, I don't know how his body didn't just like spontaneously combust into, into millions of pieces. It's just crazy, but I, I can appreciate it. And like, I always say, whenever we talk about it on this podcast, it's, you know, because the NHL is again, still that fourth sport, you know, it's still that kind of that sport that's trying to climb back up in, into being in the forefront. Anytime anyone is like, Oh, I like two teams or I like that. I'm like, cool. Awesome. 
Like the more money you put into both of these franchises, the more you buy, the more you tweet about them, the more you put them into the forefront of, of all of this, the better. So I'm all for that. Um, but so as far as, um, you know, kind of seeing the, the Kraken's team develop, I know we talked about, you know, um, you know, Ebbs and, uh, and Tanev and stuff like that. Um, but uh, again, like we kind of touched upon, like one of the intangible factors is how this team is going to kind of put it all together. Um, so it'll be interesting to kind of see. So I guess based on the team, like what do you kind of see in them as like what they're, kind of DNA is going to be like, are they going to be a, like a scoring forward team or are they going to be a little bit more balanced? Are they going to be more defensive minded? What do you think you're going to see out of them? Dude, I have no idea. (laughs) Uh, I think it is way too early for me to give any sort of like realistic uh, analysis on anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just hope we aren't like dead last in the conference. Uh, Honestly, I have no fucking clue. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, that's basically what everyone said about the Knights too. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, just in general, like the concept of being able to t- build an entire team out of like bottom second liners and third liners mm-hmm. seem like it was broken with the Knights. Yep. Obviously they went straight to the cup, but I'm hoping we get the same. It's the same broken thing for us, not having basically any fourth liners right off the bat. And honestly, I, I feel like the fact that, all of these teams wrote all of these players off. They're all going to play with a chip on the shoulder. Like that's exactly what happened with the Knights. And, you know, these aren't scrubs, like no joke in the Islanders Penguins series, one name that like, you know, I, I obviously watched the Penguins eight times, like other than like Crosby and Malkin and Rust, like Tanev's name was the name that you heard the announcers and like the play by plays. Yeah, commentators talking about all the time. Like he's not a big flashy name, but you know he 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 was all over the ice, and I feel like that's a solid pickup that maybe isn't flashy and doesn't get like people buying a bunch of Tanev jerseys, but I feel like that's a solid move. Yeah, and I mean it's it's gonna be a chance for like Jordan Eberle to kind of like come back into the limelight and prove that he was you know he was worthy of being a high draft pick yeah i totally agree and you know tom and i definitely me more than tom because tom actually hated jordan everly when he was on the islanders i didn't like him i i feel like you know he he came from a really tough situation in edmonton and then when he comes to the islanders like john javaris leaves and matt barzell takes the spotlight so like even that was a tough situation for him so like now he's kind of the guy. He's like the 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 Kraken fans have at least a, a kind of a superstar superstar on the team. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. so I I feel like he he could definitely turn it around and and be a thirty goal scorer. We're not we're not going to get like fifty out of him, but you know thirty goals out of him I could see thirty and thirty. And Jaden Schwartz is another guy that looked real good in the preseason, uh, and I hope we can keep that shit up during the regular season. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like there, there are a couple of other, like, you know, kind of players that give you guys quite a bit of depth. I mean, um, you know, Yanni Gord is on the team. Um, You know, you've got uh, um, another one. Like when we played, when we played Tampa, that's another name that Mm -hmm. was just like pissing. He was getting under the skin of the Islanders players. So that, that could be a solid move too, to build around. Yeah. And then you've got, um, 
the defenseman from the Stars that they took, uh, what is it, Oleksiak, uh, who's like six seven. I mean, he's like enormous. So you know, you're gonna have like that that you know kind of physical presence too. Which uh, all in all, it's it's really such an interesting thing whenever a um, you have like a, a you know a, a franchise in year one because like you get to see like you know are they gonna you know have that have that golden knight string and are they going to just be fantastic or is it going to be a little bit of time for them to gel but like it's going to be so interesting to watch and like i'm really excited to get to see seattle play a little bit um i you know i I would love to at some point um you know i've even talked to my wife about it like i want to do like a pacific northwest trip at some Mm -hmm. point you know just do like seattle portland and vancouver just to like get to see it because i hear it's beautiful but like I would love to be able to get to a cracking game just to like say, Hey, like, you know, I, I was able to experience it. So, um, and I mean, you have no idea how the, the team is going to work together because yeah. every other team has an identity that they're built around their two mm-hmm. or three superstars. So, you know, like penguins, obviously base everything around Sidney Crosby flyers around Claude Giroux for the yep. longest time. Yep. 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 Um, and th- there's no like one true superstar it's going to have to be someone, you know, that steps up and just like has a career resurgence. Cause like you said, it's, it's all people that weren't being, you know, that like weren't held on or cared about by their, by their previous teams. So like, do you, do you think, uh, you know, in the infancy of this team, like, you know, the Kraken's management are just going to reach out to the home team and be like, listen, guys, we need it. We need a goal song. What do you got for us, bro? The first thing, when we started talking to our label about the, uh, about like, brand partnerships and who we would want to work with like first thing i was like the kraken are coming (laughs) whatever you got to do we'll give it we'll fucking we'll give them the song for free it's just exposure bucks love it don't give a shit um you mean number two after getting you on bar down breakdown (laughs) (laughs) that was that was the number one that uh, was number one number two kraken oh god if only dude that's that's the dream. I'm trying to get. Uh, I feel like the sports themed band name. I feel like easy. Uh, that should be our way in. Absolutely, like, man. So you can have. You can. We'll write a song for you. You can have it. Sneak right in there, and then they. Uh, they just announced. Uh, I think last week the um, NHL 22 soundtrack. And woof, man! It is. It is not good. And say all. I just saw All Time Low post that they're playing like an NHL event in Tampa. Tampa, yeah. Tampa, yeah. Oh, and that I mean, like that's cool. Like I love the fact that like alternative music is getting like that 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 chain in, into this stuff. But like, yep. when you look at that soundtrack, though, man, like, ugh, I think like the only thing that's like anywhere near alternative on it is I think maybe Twenty One Pilots. But like other There's than that, it's Angels and Airwaves. Oh, I yeah, I guess so. But then again, like I can't imagine Angels and Airwaves has a place on any hockey anything. Cause like, if you've listened to any angels and airwaves, it's just like 16th notes on the like hi-hat and it's just like, and it's more like literally music to go to space to and meet aliens, which is kind of like, there's a Volbeat song on here. Volbeat. Volbeat. There's a ton. There's a ton of bands I've never even heard of. Yeah. It's just Uh, like weird. Like, I don't even know what it is. Um, And and it's kind of the machine gun, Kelly, Kellen Quinn songs on there. Kenny Hoopla. That's that's true. But I think, um, I don't know, it's so strange because uh, we've had the opportunity to talk to uh, Steven Sabell, who like curate these playlists. 
And like from talking to them and then seeing this, it's like, did like they lose their jobs or like did something happen? Because like, it just doesn't seem like their ethos. Cause when they talked to us, they were all about like, yeah, we want to like expose new music and new this and new that. And I'm just like, kind of that Tony Hawk mindset. Right. Yeah. And I, and, and I remember like us even saying like, if you guys need anyone for like your new soundtracks, like come at us. Like we've got like all these people that have been on the show that would be perfect for it. And they were like, yeah, totally. And then like they put out Volby, you know? So it's just like, I don't know, but um, maybe but you yeah, just don't know these bands yet, Tom, just like you didn't know the home team until I had to tell you about them. So I guess you're right. Maybe stop you're being right. a gatekeeper, Tom. I'm not trying to gatekeep. <laughs> I just, I just don't, I don't want to listen to Volbeat while I'm trying to, what, what did you say in the ad? A one-time clapper. Clapper. <laughs> I don't, I, I want to clap. A bunch of these young up and coming artists like Machine Gun <laughs> Kelly. Yeah. He's an Very up and comer. Connor McGregor tried to beat him up, you know, that's like, Hey, you know, you gotta do what you gotta do. But I, um, I'm super psyched, man. I'm super pumped for, uh, for, for cracking hockey. Um, so I am going to ask you one, one last question and then I'm sure Mikey's got one, but my last question, I'm just going to circle it back to, to music. So, um, I know you guys said, um, that, you know, you had told us that a lot of you guys had influences in hardcore and metal and stuff like that. Um, on this new record, like, were, were there any, like, metal bands or hardcore bands that you could say, like, directly influenced some of the things that you played? Like, whether it was just, like, like a like a, a lick or, like, a fill or, like, just, you know, something that you specifically played and then maybe something that, like, the band put in that was kind of, like, an homage to some of the stuff that you guys love? Uh, I would say... Meshuga is probably the like heaviest thing that influenced us in any way. Okay. Um, just like the, the idea of using an eight string on things. Mm-hmm. Um, Meshuga is like the first thing that comes to mind yeah, when I think of an, eight, of an eight string guitar. For sure. Um, and I would say drum wise, I don't think I was really, I, I don't think I was really influenced by anything particularly heavy because I didn't, my, my plan with the whole record was like, I want to simplify. So I felt like with our last record, everything was exactly, it was written exactly like when I hear a riff, this is what I think of playing. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I played like what should be on a pop punk riff. Um, I wanted on this record to make, and the, I thought the, the honestly looking back, the fills are boring. Like all the fills that I wrote were just like straight 16th notes moving mm-hmm. around the toms. Um, so what I really wanted to do on this record was to kind of make the choruses simpler and have it be much more like, I mean, just straight four on the floor all over the place. Yeah. But have my fills be more complicated. So I kind of like open things up. And then also at the same time, add more complexities in like the little spots where I, where I get the chance to. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think we were not really influenced by heavy music as much, but John was definitely influenced by like a lot of West Coast hip hop. Um, okay. One thing in particular, uh, there's a lot of like, I guess we, we call them stabs. So think mm-hmm. like the intro to Forgot About Dre and like the, dun, 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 that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's, that type of note is used a lot in like hip hop and R and B from like the nineties and two thousands. And so we took that and moved that to guitar all over the place on the new record. 
Um, so less of heavy inspiration aside from like the eight string aspect. Yeah, for sure. Um, mm-hmm. And honestly, a lot of inspiration from like hip hop and R&B. Awesome. Love it. All right. So, Daniel, I got a question for you. When you guys sent Revival the final mix, did they come back with a brand new contract for you guys? <laughs> uh, they, no comment? <laughs> they were fucking stoked. Uh, and, I mean, I would hope so. We were fucking stoked. Uh, I think we're in, we're in a really interesting position because I think we're aside from maybe I set to kill or like obviously Alisana there, but it's that's Sean's band. So like mm-hmm. they're on the label for forever. Yeah. Um, we were in, a, in an interesting position because we had a ton of growth from the first record to this one. Um, when we, when we put out our first record, I think we had maybe 3000 monthly listeners on Spotify. And oh, wow. now we're at, I think we have like 170,000. Um, so we have from the time of putting out that first record to now, there's been a ton of growth. Um, we did not get offered a new contract yet. We are still in the middle of one. They have us for uh, for one right now. Um, we'll see what goes on for the next uh, for the next record. Um, I think our, our contract is up soon. So we actually uh, are going to get back into the renegotiations phase. So we'll see what happens. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like if I was running that label, that's exactly how I would play it. Like, all right. Yep. You guys earned it. <laughs> Next contract. <laughs> we're locking uh, yeah. you guys up. And we're basically, we're on our rookie contract right now. Um, so hopefully, you know, we'll uh, be able to have a little stronger leg to stand on and get a little, you know, a little bit better of a deal for ourselves. Um, who knows? Dude, we'll see how that goes. I don't want to be a homer, but Revival and all the new bands that they've been signing and, and you know, what they have in the works, I, I, I just love what they're doing. So I, I'm I'm super pumped that this album's coming out on Revival, and I, I, I hope that it just blows you guys up and blows up the label as well. I hope that we have an impact on bands. Like, I remember growing up thinking about bands on, like, drive through and victory and equal vision where i was like Mm -hmm. oh yo i want to be like i'm literally looking at an armor for sleep vinyl on my desk right now past like behind the computer i'm like i want to be like that i want to do like be on that label um Mm -hmm. and i hope there are you know people that are seeing us and being like oh the home team i want to be like on i want to be on the label they're on yeah um no one will ever tell me that but (laughs) I, i hope that happens to some people well, I mean, you're going out with Glacier Veins, and they're on Equal Vision, right? Yeah. That's true. There you uh, go. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, if you haven't listened to that band, uh, fucking sick. They had a record. Yeah, they're so good. They had a record that came out, um, I think, in like March or April of 2020. Mm-hmm. So, like, right when COVID hit, they were on tour, uh, opening for. I don't remember if it was Tiny Moving Part. They were, they were on a like on a pretty good sized tour. Uh, and they, it got canceled, you know, and they had like halfway through and they had to just drive home. Um, so that album did not get the like love that it should have gotten. And I hope that, you know, by us taking them out, they're able to, you know, grow and get bigger. Cause we've been, I, I remember we, we played with Glacier Veins a couple times just in, uh, in the Northwest. And we had talked about touring together or Malia and I had talked about touring together, like 
years ago. So uh, psyched that, you know, they said yes. And we got, the, we get the chance to take them out. Yeah, definitely. They're, they're a great band. Um, you know, they've, um, they've done some, some super cool stuff. That record is great. So awesome, man. Uh, Daniel, thank you so much for, for kind of hanging with us and, and, uh, and taking the time out of your day to, to chat with us. Uh, super excited for uh, Slow Burn, the Casey Musgraves uh, tribute record to come out. Uh, no, seriously, man. I, I like, you know, it, it. I'm not. I'm not trying to be a homer for for the home team, but uh, it's one of those things where, like, you know, I, I, I'm a little picky with like what I pre-order these days because, um, like, vinyl takes so long to get. But like, as soon as as soon as Slow Bloom came up, I was just like gotta get it so uh you're gonna be part of my record collection and my record spreadsheet which one day Dude, I'll, I'll show everybody it's nerdy as shit but <laughs> i love it uh but i'm really excited so uh slow bloom october 22nd uh on revival records so uh we're talking just revival recordings get it right Tom. revival recordings i'm sorry recordings record i can't keep up man every every label like puts this little uh, like evan's label is like storm chasers limited it's like i can't just say like storm chasers records i can't say any of this shit i don't know it's crazy but do what you got to do to get this record in your ears go pre-save it on spotify apple music go pre-order it uh, i'm are, are there any copies of the record left or, or are they kind of slowly but surely moving because yeah we uh we sold out of we had one uh variant that we put out a couple like i think about a month ago um mm -hmm. that came with a limited edition polaroid so we cool. took polaroids throughout the whole recording process and nice. each of these uh the limited edition one is this is the one i'm pushing even though it's gone um mm -hmm. uh each each one came with a hand numbered and signed by us polaroid from uh you know, from the recording process, That's I think awesome. those, that was at seven left last Friday. And mm -hmm. I think we've already had like five people tweet at us that they bought one of those. So I think they're gone. Yeah. Um, but I think the other ones are all limited to 200 copies and mm -hmm. where none of them are sold out yet, but they are they are selling uh, pre-order the record. If you're going to buy yeah. it, buy it now. Uh, help us chart on the billboard charts. <laughs> Hell yeah, man! And then uh, real, real quick, um, I know you said uh, you guys has you guys have a Patreon as well, but if you want to just real quick blast some socials and where they can find the Patreon and where they can find everything, just have at it. Yeah, uh, new record Slow Bloom comes out October twenty second. Um, pre save it on Spotify, on Instagram. We're at the Home Team. Uh, follow along. We're posting tons of content. We've got uh, you know TikTok, Twitter, everything. Uh, we don't fuck with Facebook all that much anymore. Sorry that you're on <laughs> Facebook Live. Uh, yeah, we got a we got a Patreon, but most most importantly, just when the record comes out, jam it, show some friends. Hell yeah! Well, uh, Daniel, I'm, I'm gonna go. Uh, I've got a game in like an hour at oh. the the Crack and Practice facility, which is five minutes from me. Uh, Hell yeah! That's where I gotta go tonight. There all right, go. man. Well, good luck, and once again, thanks for coming on. And hopefully the Kraken have a great season, but we know you guys are going to have a great tour and slow bloom October 22nd, man. Can't wait. Dude, thank you guys for having me. Yeah, dude. Yep. I hope you, I hope you have a one-time clapper tonight, dude. <laughs> I, I, I play defense and uh, this is like my, I play on like the, the top division in our men's league. Oh, oh all right. I, I am in the bottom third skill wise for sure. <laughs> 
Like there, there's some fucking monsters on my team. The my other team, lower division. That's where I score. I don't score on this one. <laughs> so all right, so we'll save the clappers for another day. Daniel, thanks again so much. Uh, the home team, slow bloom, October twenty second. Go get it. Go do it. I'm fucking on one. And that's all. <laughs>